0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100 best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: Everyone that's part of this industry taking a look at sort of what worked and what doesn't work and being intellectually honest with sort of what needs to change.
0: Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com, and in the top left corner, it says earn 15%. As an affiliate, you can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Lindsay Johnson. How you doing, Lindsay?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that, and you're welcome, and looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Lindsay. She's the president of U.S. Mortgage Insurers. She served as director for the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta. She represented the bank in D.C. during several key legislative reforms, including the House of Economic Recovery Act of 2008 and the Dodd-Frank Act, based in D.C., so with that being said, Lindsay, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
1: Absolutely, so it's a mouthful, I know, and a lot of acronyms that could be boiled down in there. But yes, essentially, I mean, I've been focused here in D.C. for a long time, mostly on mortgage policy and mortgage finance policy, and sort of done it on the business side and also within the government, and just everything that we do as real estate professionals definitely is highly regulated. It essentially comes down to the government, whether you're talking about FHA or the Federal Housing Administration, or you're taking a conventional loan with Panny and Freddie that are the government-sponsored enterprises. Everything is going to have some kind of government policy attached to it. So that's really where I've been focused. And now I'm with the mortgage insurance industry, and we really are very proud of the role that we've played for more than 60 years in helping sort of facilitate homeownership for millions of Americans.
0: So what is your primary goal right now within your current role?
1: My primary goal is to really create a better environment for our companies. We've got most of the mortgage insurance companies across the country just to make sure that they've got the best operating environment to help facilitate homeownership for people with less than 20% down. So borrowers who don't come to the closing table with a hefty 20% are not only viewed by lenders, but actually are a higher credit risk profile than many other borrowers. But that's where our companies stand in and we really bridge that gap between what they bring to the closing table and what the lender would require. And in doing so, we're protecting that lender against his potential losses if the borrower was unable to repay that loan and there's not enough equity in that house to cover the amount that's owed. So we really play that really important facilitation role.
0: Okay, so what about policy now would you change in a perfect world?
1: Well, look, this is the mortgage finance system that we have today has evolved over decades, and it was somewhat of a hodgepodge. There was no real rhyme or reason. A lot of the response that you've seen, even in today's market, has come out of other crises. And lessons learned. And so they'll make some adaptations and some changes. I think one of the most important things to be done and that we as mortgage real estate professionals need to focus on is how do we connect the dots and bridge the divides for consumers where they are today? I mean, we look and one of the craziest things to me is how complicated the home buying or even the refinancing process could be especially yeah. for home buyers. I mean, yeah. I went through a refinance that, and was, I'm still amazed every time I go through it. How is this so complicated?
0: Mm-hmm. But you think about
1: the face of today's borrower, and you've got millennials coming into the market, and they look and analyze information and data about the home purchase process in such a different way. Most of it's on their phone. And you think about their incomes being through gig economy. There's just a lot of different things that are different today than they've been in the past. You've got a very diverse population. Today's generation is more diverse than any generation before it. So they've got different cultural preferences for homeownership. They've got different challenges. But in the end, their goals remain the same. They still want to be homeowners, and they still want to attain homeownership. So that's where we're really focused on informing them, getting the right information to them about different mortgage options, and then really are working with the rest of the industry to make sure that they've got the technology and the tools to keep up in this digital world for where they live.
0: I currently own three homes. My company is apartment investing, but... My first 4 purchases on the real estate front were four single family homes. I've sold one since, but I currently have 3 and I have equity in them. Do I hold on to them and continue to make 200 bucks a month until someone moves out then I lose $5,000 for move out stuff? That didn't work. A, B, do I sell them and C do I refinance, get some equity and then hold on to them long term? Well, C, the refinance Makes the most sense financially, but whenever I went to a bank and I started talking to them about the process, it would have been three separate refinance loans, and the process of going through a refinance was just such a headache, and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to sell these and I'll take that money and invest in our apartment deals. But as you said, it's such a complicated process to go through that refinance and home purchase. How would you streamline that to make it more simple and easy to go through?
1: Well, I think a lot of what my companies are doing today, and we work most directly with the GSEs and with lenders, but we are really adopting a lot of great technology that's going to be more real time in terms of getting rates, like just being very competitive and being able to provide those rates to consumers in real time. So that's something that the industry has been doing really over the last couple of years, but every day we see a little bit more evolution in this. And so it's faster, it's quicker to the market. I think generally in terms of verifying income of individuals, that's something that just through the process has been very clunky, frankly. Uh, Gone through this process and you've got to provide W-2s and your income statements and your pay statements, and then the process takes a couple of months longer, so suddenly they ask for more income statements, and, you know, it just is, it's a little bit of a, a labor process, and imagine that for someone who really is in the gig economy or an Uber driver or some of these other industries where you're not just a normal W-2 earner. Yep. And that becomes more complicated. So we are collaborating with many others, and, you know, the GSEs are taking a lot of lead in to streamline that process, to bring in new technologies, to have that done upfront and verified through technology that everybody can sort of trust and verify. So it's not taking any shortcuts around making sure that there's still prudent lending and that we're understanding the risk profile and verifying, but it's got to be done in such a way that it's not going to burden the consumer to the point where they walk away like you've, like you've experienced. For our industry, part of this is making sure that they've got the right understanding. The other really frustrating thing for us is we constantly hear on literally a daily basis, consumers, and there's research and surveys, they'll say consumers will cite down payment as the biggest hurdle. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad telling me, drilling in my head, you've got to have 20% down before you go into that lender, and that's just, that's simply not the case, and it shouldn't be viewed that's the only prudent way to get into a mortgage, and so one thing that our industry has been keenly focused on is just educating consumers that you can get into a conventional loan for as little as 3% down. There are different options available conventionally where you've got private minds one way. You can get a government-backed FHA loan with 3.5% down, and both of those options should be on the table. Again, it's one of those situations where I think that for some people, they think, well, if I wait and I save that 20% down, it can save me money in some areas, but it could cost you money in other areas. And there's some really great calculators out there where you can estimate what am I going to be paying in rent over that timeline horizon of saving for 20% versus what I might be building in equity. So just taking a longer-term look and sort of taking a look across the horizon and what those payments are going to be and sort of what your long-term economic goal is. Those are things we think a lot of consumers just haven't had the tools and the resources and the education to do so far.
0: So U.S. mortgage insurers, the business model that would help your company continue to thrive or your group of companies continue to thrive is more people getting loans at less than 20% because then more mortgage insurance would be in play. Therefore, you all would make more money. Yes?
1: Yes, absolutely. So- and. and- thing is, if you think about not just home ownership expected to rise between 8 and 10 million households by 2025, but low down payment lending has been on the rise, especially since post-financial crisis. The median down payment today for all buyers at first time and repeat is 13%. And for first time home buyers, the median down payment is about 7%. So it is a really important tool for a huge chunk of the market today.
0: So I know during the last couple years, I think it was 2015, oh, okay, so maybe not the last couple, we're in 19, but 2015 and 16, I don't remember seeing more recent data than this, but 2015, 16, during the economic expansion, the percent of household renters increased during an economic expansion. That's not good for business for you. So what are your thoughts on that when we talk about that?
1: because I think that generally we want to make sure that people are home ready before they get into their mortgage. It's not good if people are on the sidelines and they're home ready and they're not getting into the mortgage market, but it's also not good when we saw this pre-crisis, right? When people get into the market too soon or unprepared or making decisions that are just not based on their economic rationale and sort of their own position. We don't view it necessarily as negative. What we do see, however, is a lot of people that do have the resources that would be mortgage-ready that are staying on the sidelines because they feel like they need this hefty down payment. Mm. And they're kind of chasing a moving target. Let's just say that home prices rise 3% annually, which is relatively low compared to what we've seen over the last few years. But let's just say it's at 3% and someone is going to put $40,000, which is 20% on a $200,000 home. If they're trying to save that amount just in a couple of years, the target has definitely shifted. It's like $48,000 just in a couple of years' time. So we continue to just demonstrate that this is not a new situation. We've seen this in the past. Home prices do fluctuate. Sometimes they go up. Sometimes they go down. So you don't want to just base it on sort of the upside potential, and that's why you're going to get into the market. But at the same time that you've potentially lost some equity opportunity, you've also been paying a lot in rent. So just understanding that whole dynamic, I think, is really eye-opening for a lot of folks when they sit down and they do the math.
0: What major group has an opposing stance to your group, and what are their counterpoints?
1: That's an interesting question. No real group has an opposing position to private mortgage insurance. Obviously, there's competition in the marketplace, and we welcome competition all day, every day. If there is a better mousetrap out there, I think that's great. Even to your point about sort of the rental, and in fact, even the single-family rental market, one thing that we saw during the crisis and after the crisis was you had some opportunistic investors who saw what was happening in the crisis and scooped up sort of some of the real estate and are using them for single-family rentals. A lot of folks in D.C. were concerned, but I think some of that is really good and healthy because it somewhat puts a floor in the market, so home prices may start to have a floor to the bottom. And then the other component is A lot of families that previously were homeowners may have been foreclosed upon, going to have a difficult time getting back into homeownership for a period of time, but they still want a single-family mortgage. So we don't necessarily view that as competition. We view that as sort of a healthy dynamic that's occurred in the marketplace and hopefully meeting a need. So I think that there's a recognition that there are individuals, very creditworthy and sustainable individuals, who will get into the mortgage finance market and completely be sustainable borrowers that simply don't have a hefty 20% to put down. So we really don't have a lot of opposition. Competition, sure. (laughs) But, but, you know, that's healthy.
0: We'd love to hear about a story about a challenging time you've come across professionally.
1: Many here in (laughs) D.C. And obviously I think everybody who experienced a financial crisis and here in D.C., there was a lot of focus on mortgage policy. And I think that this industry in general and Some of this predates when I was with the industry, and a lot of it we've been continuing to work on, but just everyone that's part of this industry taking a look at sort of what worked and what doesn't work and being intellectually honest with sort of what needs to change. I could give you many examples, but just at the Federal Bank, we're a bank for banks, essentially. We've lent to different financial institutions, depository institutions, and going through the financial crisis and really having to sort of manage not just the downside risk that we had on the business side, but also the policy risk that we had here in D.C. was enormous. And we were trying to work with policymakers who don't necessarily understand the business. And so it was an extremely challenging time. This industry, I will say, I came in in 2015. So it was after the crisis, but there was still a lot of uphill climb to do. And so making sure that we were Looking at new capital requirements and the contracts that are between us and and lenders and the GSCs and how and when we pay claims and making sure that those things make sense going forward. Those are all significant changes for industries that have existed for decades and sometimes uncomfortable. But I will say I was extremely impressed with this industry coming in at the willingness to look at that and make some of those changes to make it stronger going forward.
0: What were some changes?
1: Well, one big change was we basically doubled the capital that we were required to hold. So, obviously, pre-crisis, we're not just state regulated, but we sort of have de facto regulations from the GSEs, and 95% of the mortgage market goes through Fannie and Freddie. So, we obviously ensure loans that are going to Fannie and Freddie that don't have 20% down. and one of the changes coming through the crisis was we want you all to be even stronger because you're most exposed to some of this mortgage credit risk. So we've doubled our capital going into 2014 and 2015 and have made some even further enhancements since that time to our capital. So the industry is also doing a lot in terms of evolution of credit risk management. So they're dispersing in some very sophisticated ways their credit risk on the back end to very highly and well-regulated reinsurance companies and even to the capital markets through insurance linked notes. So it's not just a buy, hold, and hope industry. It is really more of a sophisticated credit risk management started at CARP.
0: Let's take this down to a super local, granular, and specific level. I'm a real estate investor, and I have three homes for sale right now. And I want to make sure that, as many people know about getting loans for less than 20%, like you're... Advocating and you, you're trying to get the word out as much as possible so that people know, hey, I don't need 20% down. I can do it as low as three or three and a half percent. What are some tools that either you all have I can leverage or what are some tips you have for me as a real estate investor trying to generate more demand for the properties that I'm selling because some people don't know that they can buy with as little down as three, three and a half percent.
1: Well, I think, first of all, just for agents and investors to know that not everyone does. And understandably, as we said at the beginning, it was sort of a complicated process, and we're just one of the many pieces. There are a lot of resources out there, and we are doing, for our part, a lot to just make sure that consumers and others know where to look. We've developed a website for consumers, and I think it's great for real estate agents and others to get a lot of this information. It's called lowdownpaymentfacts.com. And it's not just from our industry. We're pulling and calling from many other sources so that folks really have information at their fingertips about how to be home ready and about their different options available to them for down payments. So we connect these consumers to these different resources. Some are through our member companies, and our companies work mostly with lenders, and it's sort of business to business, but we want to make sure that the information is there. And they offer these free mortgage savings calculators. So as a borrower, Or an investor or an agent, you really can sort of look and very easily consider how different down payments can impact the savings rate or your rent that you might save, the equity that you may bill. It's very customizable so consumers can really take control, but it truly is, I think, one of the most helpful websites out there that kind of breaks everything down in terms of down payments. So again, lowdownpaymentfacts.com. There's other resources out there, and I would just really encourage whether it's a real estate investor. Or obviously, an agent or others to look at to be educated on and to understand the options available to consumers.
0: Do you happen to know the percent of people who don't realize that down payments can be less than
1: 20%? Yes, we do actually, because there's a lot of surveys on this stuff. As you can imagine, there was a survey that was done in July that suggested 50% of people who are non home buyers who suggested they want to be home buyers say that it's because of a down payment requirement of 20%. Hmm. A survey a couple years ago, it was at 40% so that you had to have a full 20% down payment. So there may have been a different way that they were asking the question, but as you can tell, it's a significant number of people who are otherwise most likely eligible to be homeowners that are citing that down payment as the number one obstacle.
0: Hmm. I'm in my own little real estate world because that just shocks me. I just thought everyone knew, I mean, clearly not everyone, but... I thought 80% of the people that were wanting to buy a house, that they could get into a primary residence for 3 5% through some loan options.
1: Well, the amazing thing is, and I mentioned this before, once you start to look at those who actually go through the process, then you start to see that the majority are putting far less than 20% down. I think the challenge is for those people who are just kind of teetering and tinkering around and thinking about it, They still have that in the back of their mind. So it's sort of really limiting their willingness to go and actually get the information. So we are trying to kind of push it to them and just make sure that they realize it's not something that's required. They've got a lot of options available to them. And then if that's the one thing that's holding them back, it shouldn't be.
0: Anything else that we should talk about that we haven't discussed?
1: No, I think we've covered most of it. I think we've talked about the private mortgage insurance health lenders, we help taxpayers. We paid more than 50 billion in claims through the financial crisis, and those are claims that the GSEs and sort of therefore the taxpayer didn't have to pay. And then we help borrowers. I mentioned that we've helped more than 30 million borrowers over the last 60 years, but just last year we helped a million borrowers. And if you really look at who those individuals are, 60% were first-time home buyers, and 40% had annual incomes of $75,000 or less. So it's such an important component of the housing finance system. And we really are very proud of the work that we do to enable homeownership for millions of Americans across the country. So we want to get the word out. We want to make sure that people have the right information.
0: And best place the best ever listeners can learn more one last time?
1: Absolutely. Lowdownpaymentfacts.com.
0: Excellent. Well, Lindsay, thank you for being on the show talking about the mortgage insurers perspective and mortgage insurance. Clearly, most listeners on this show know what that is. So I'm glad we got into some of the policy that you're championing and then also some of your background through the 2008 crisis. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Thanks, Joe. Take care.
0: Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwelling Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellen.com forward slash show. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N dot com forward slash show. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com.